are the Mystery History Podcast. I'm Allison. I'm Rachel. Welcome to episode 115 on Brian Dennecke, Bomb City. Yep. The bomb. Do you know about this? I don't, actually. His name sounds really familiar, though. Maybe you know about Maybe it. Maybe I don't do. know you know about it. That could be true. Huh. Well, I'm excited to... It's really sad, and I'm, like, all fired up about it Uh-oh. after doing notes all day. Well, good. Well, before we get into the story of Brian, we got a couple of items. Okay. So let's talk about this. Tomorrow, today's Thursday. Right. But you're going to hear this on what? The 29th of August, Monday. Right. We are going to our Waverly Hills Sanatorium investigation this weekend, right? Right. And we can say this because we know people aren't going to know. Wait. We've been telling people, (laughs) like all the people where we're going to be. So I don't know why I'm so worried about it right now. (laughs) Everyone knowing you're not at your house. Yeah. Anyway, we are going to be going to Bobby Mackey's, which is the portal to hell, in Erlanger, Kentucky, tomorrow, Friday, the 26th. Yeah. Rachel and I just discovered before doing the start of this episode that 10 years ago tomorrow to the day rachel and i were at bobby mackey's taking a picture while coming back home from norris lake so we now whenever we went there 10 years ago we didn't go inside because it was closed it was a sunday uh so we got a picture outside of the building And 10 years later to the day, how freaking weird is that? That's something. That's got to mean something. It feels like it means something. I don't know if it's good, though, so it's kind of creeping me out. I know. Me neither. I'm sure it's good, Juju. Always. Yeah. I hope. That's just super weird. We spent way too long before starting to record trying to figure out if it was actually 10 years because we just had like a memory on Facebook from the lake trip that we took and everyone that loves us will do really dumb stuff like go out of our way on the way home so we can go to the Bobby Mackey parking lot oh yeah and like your poor dad drove us to the uh, Mothman festival (laughs) (laughs) There and back in the same day, we're like sleeping in the car, and the poor poor guy's driving us around. Yeah, I he doesn't believe in ghosts or anything like that, but he does enjoy it because of the history. Yeah, so he can swallow a lot more whenever there's history involved. So he's more apt to do a lot of the shenanigans that I make him do. <laughs> Like whenever we were on our way to New Orleans, I it was we had drove like ten hours that day, and I'm like, Dad, there's a, a cemetery that has a Queen of the Gypsy in it. Can you take me there? Because we drove together, like, driving around cemeteries and shit. I would never mm-hmm. believe that he would be doing that. <laughs> <laughs> but here he is. There he is. <laughs> and at that this trip, that was your mom that drove out of the way no i think we drove separate oh did we yeah i was thinking that your mom drove us over there but now that you say that we did drive separate yeah my brother was with us yep so we did make your brother go he didn't have a choice no no he did not (laughs) that's different (laughs) there's always something spooky everywhere you go so you might as well try to i'm really as i've gotten older that's super important to me. I feel like my time is running out and so I have to see everything. See. Right. Yeah. Well, it's smart anyways. It's not like you would travel, you know, to Chicago to see a specific cemetery or something. But if you're already in Chicago. Exactly. There's a then history to going be had. To. Yeah. Because I, I hated history whenever I was in school and I 
always picked out the parts, which kind of makes sense now that we have the podcast. I always picked out the parts that were weird. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, Abraham Lincoln's second cousin was, you know, killed by this. And and I remember that, but that wasn't what was on the test. No, that was just fun facts. Nobody cares about that. later. (laughs) But that it's always been the weird and unusual that sticks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So ten years to the day. That's wild. Yeah. Hopefully, very interesting. Hopefully, nothing crazy happens. And if it does, I'll post this before we leave for our trip, so <laughs> it can be heard by the masses. <laughs> You'll know what has happened. <clears throat> Anyways, uh, yeah, we haven't talked about any of the business yet. No. Just that. Yes. So, yes. Go ahead. Like, share, and subscribe, please. (laughs) Yeah. We're going to be posting some stuff on the Waverly Hills trip that we go on. So, like and share that stuff if you're Mm -hmm. interested. If you have gone to Waverly Hills, let us know, especially if there's anything. I mean, this will post afterwards, but... (gasps) No, but you know what? We'll be doing an episode after. So you guys, if you have stories of your experiences at Waverly Hills, send us voice recordings if you can. If not, just send your story. You can type it out. But if you send a voice recording, we'll play it on the podcast when we do ours. That's a great idea. That would be be fun. It would be. Yeah. So please send those in. And then same same for Bobby Mackey's. If anybody has Bobby Mackey's stories, do that too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Those would be probably pretty wild, I feel like. Yeah, I think so. They have tours there and I looked them up and they're really expensive. Yeah, we're probably just going to like be going in and having a couple days. Yeah, they yeah. They, I don't think anything any of the extra stuff. Well, I don't think that it's based on like you have to register far in advance. Yeah. So it's not like they just have walk-ins, but if they have something creepy to see, I'll throw a couple dollars down. Yeah. Why not? Why not? And as always, we have a $2 tier on Patreon and a $5 tier on Patreon. And we're so close <laughs> to hitting what? Our 100th episode Nuts. on the Patreons. Yeah. So if you subscribe either the $2 tier or the $5 tier, you get 100 episodes additional. That's a good deal. I don't, yeah. That is a great deal. It is. So, do you have anything else for the business? You still giving away free stickers? Oh, yeah. You know it. I have free stickers. Send me your address and I will send you a free sticker. If you join our Patreon, I throw several stickers, like different ones in there for you. Yeah. Bonus. Worth it. All right. Well, are you ready to get into this craziness? Yeah. Okay. Go ahead and start us off. Okay. Uh, Brian Dennecke was born in Wichita, Kansas on March 9th, 1978. He was the younger of two sons to Michael Max Dennecke, known as Mike, and Elizabeth Louise Beaker, known as Betty. His father was a native of Belote, Kansas, and was born to Sylvester and Darlene Dennecke. Betty Dennecke was a native of Concordia, Kansas, and was born to Omer and Marie Beaker. Mike and Betty married in 1974 in Concordia, and they had two sons. Jason Michael and Brian Theodore. The family settled in Southwest Amarillo, Texas from Wichita in 1981. Denneke was a Wahidi dancer in a Boy Scout troop during mil- elementary school, excuse me. He so atten- it's Native American dances. It's actually a really it looks like from their website and everything, it's like a really big Boy Scouts thing. Just one group that does these Native American dances huh. in with in uh, Amarillo, Texas. Okay, that's so pretty he's cool. A part of so that. specifically to that, huh? He attended Belmar Elementary, Paramount Terrace Elementary, Crockett Middle School, and Amarillo High School in Amarillo. 
He dropped out of high school during his junior year and earned his GED at age 17. Denneke was an artist for Stanley Marsh the Threes, the Thirds. Is that it? I don't it? know. Stanley Marsh the Thirds sounds better. Art project, Dynamite Museum. The Dynamite Museum is an art installation that's made up of thousands of painted over road signs scattered across Amarillo. That's cool. It's really cool. Huh. There was no rhyme or reason to the messages on the sign. The people behind the project would come up with ideas or vote on suggestions sent in and then install their favorites all over town. At one point, it was the largest urban art project in the world. Wow. Yeah. I I looked it up and, you know, was looking at some of the street signs and stuff. It looks really cool. Some of them are kind of dark, like this way to death or something like uh-huh. that. But it it's a really neat project that is and that's cool that people can send in ideas and and possibly see it in their mm-hmm. town you can find the largest concentration of the signs in marpuza echo village but the signs can be found throughout amarillo denneke was also the vo- vocalist of punk rock group the white slave traders as aspired to become a famous punk rock musician some of these punk names from back in the day white slave traders yeah what does that even mean i don't know (laughs) too deep for me man yeah denneke was remembered by his friends as being friendly charismatic and seen as a leader in local punk circles helping to organize many of the local music events Nicknamed Sunshine, Brian had a spiked mohawk hairstyle and often wore a black leather jacket with a studded leather collar and sported homemade tattoos. He was also an enthusiastic skateboarder, and it was this interest which drew him into the punk subculture. Hmm. This is kind of reminding me of like Salt Lake City punk. Yeah, a little bit. Like other punks in Amarillo... Denneke had suffered frequent harassment and bullying and acquired names such as Punch and Fist Magnet by his bullies. When I say harassment and bullying, I mean he was jumped by groups of other people. So not just like, hey, you're dumb, like aggressive stuff. Yeah, they were talking about, I mean, I watched a 2020 interview and it was interviewing his friends And they all carried weapons, like they would have mace with them at all times, would have like chain with a lock on it or something, police batons, like they were carrying things to protect themselves from being jumped, which is just so weird to me. That would be so scary. That would be terrifying. Exactly. I mean, I don't, I don't think that anybody should have to walk around like that in this town in this little texan town that was the case because they were being jumped so often and they're lucky like the jumping people that they didn't murder somebody unless they do well (laughs) i mean that's later in this terrible story but yeah so His parents were against their son's lifestyle and warmed him of possible prejudice from people in Amarillo for dressing like a punk. Mm -hmm. They said he was a good kid under the mohawk and leather and was always trying to make others smile. When asked why it was important to subject himself to that kind of abuse, his dad said stubbornness, independent spirit. He felt like he had a right. High school football was important in the town, so there was a big football culture. And on the other hand, there was this punk scene. So it's like a story out of a book or something like two rival people. Yeah, Mm -hmm. like little gangs. Like, I don't know. It's it's so weird. Now, let me ask you this question. Are there people out in the world that didn't have a punk phase? Apparently, yes. Huh. I did not know that. I didn't either. I feel like one of the reasons why this story, like this particular guy, 
I just feel like connected to because doesn't he look like my husband when I first met him? Yeah. Like Mohawk. Brian had the Mohawk. Mm-hmm. It just looked like him. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like this could have been my husband. Yeah. Pretty much. And I also didn't realize that people were bullied like that for dressing like punks. I don't know. I didn't see that happening when we were younger. I didn't is- really. I mean, I feel like for the stig- the stigma that goes with, I feel like our school in particular, I did not see that uh, bullying. And I was a bigger girl. Mm-hmm. And I, nobody ever, I don't think, shamed me in any way didn't bully me in any way yeah Um, I don't I mean I don't really remember ever being bullied by anyone except for you um (laughs) is that why was I the bully oh my god you were a little bit of a bully oh my god (laughs) you just gave me like remember the guy in our homeroom he would make give you gum every single day I yeah like, I didn't like I know him. you have gum that well Allison <laughs> that's what bullies that's still say how bully works <laughs> oh, no, oh I don't no. think I don't think you were that bad I'm sure you were fine but I just huh. didn't realize like yeah there wasn't a ton of bullying at our school that I saw either but I mean there were fights though I do remember though that there were kids that were bullied that were bullied and i saw it and it wasn't cool no it's not cool i remember one person in particular and i won't say their name we were in uh social studies together mm-hmm. and we had to get up in front of the class and talk about something and he right. was so nervous and whenever he got up there people started like heckling him and I remember turning to him and just being like, you did a good job because that's so fucked. Like, excuse my language. That's awful. But that is so, no. Was the teacher just letting that happen? This particular teacher was in that group that. Was heckling? Not that he wasn't heckling, but his students did a sport with him that. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about? I do know who you're talking about. Huh. That is very interesting and terrible and sad. Yeah. People are not kind. But I personally, and and that's the only, I mean, I feel like there's probably other ones, but that's the only real incident that I remember. I feel like people are generally kind, but groups of people are not yeah that's true i feel like it's very rarely on a one-to-one time but you get stupid people in groups together and they can be really mean Uh, and just so everybody knows that boy that i demanded give me gum (laughs) he was not like a nerd i would say that people bullied no he was not i just want everybody to realize (laughs) he was just he was just scared of you in particular but also because I think that did at, like right before that, did he not date me, Ashley? And did he ever date Sarah? I think so. I think it was I feel all like three. he ran through all of us. Yeah, <laughs> not ran through. Not like right, that. Right. But Just... you were like the friend while he's like dating each person. And then you were like, look, pay the toll troll <laughs> <laughs> right here. You owe me gum for the rest of your life, sir. <laughs> That could be it. That's more how my brain works. I look to see who I can utilize to get what I need. Right. And that would be <laughs> freaking spearmint gum every single morning. I would also like to say real quick that I said pay the toll troll. And that is from Always Sunny. Not saying that you are demanding of a toll toll. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I didn't take it that way. But now I kind of am a little. I knew I knew you didn't. But then I'm like, if anybody, well, anybody that's listening to this is going to be like, wow, Rachel, (laughs) 
Talk about bully, am I right? <laughs> am I right? <laughs> but yeah, no, you did not bully him too bad. It wasn't like that. Yeah, not he wasn't to, getting yeah. shoved into lockers and stuff. <laughs> I am no. I was firm <laughs> and demanding. And demanding. She knew what she wanted, but I didn't. But put hands on him. Even nothing though bad would have happened. If I would have no. won. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> definitely no that's too funny but yeah I mean there was some like bullying but nothing like this like nothing in the situation of people being jumped like that yeah, at least as far weapons. as I remember yeah that wasn't it didn't seem like it was happening but I think that football culture there was so big because you know in some of those smaller mid-sized towns high school football is like a huge deal and that like was how this yeah that's how this town was it sounds like hmm. okay the international house of pancakes across the street what <laughs> i don't know just the way you said that <laughs> i felt like a reporter <laughs> that's how it seemed i guess probably i should have put ihop in the notes <laughs> not, the, <laughs> not the full name stop it this is bad because whenever we get the gigs you can't even look at each other well we can't even look at each other because we just remember (laughs) and then start again no and this story is really not funny like it makes me really mad and very sad so all this laughing is not about this story no about the fact that it's late and we can't look at each other we can't let me start again the ihop across the street from the western plaza shopping center was a popular hangout for use in amarillo texas on saturday what is that thing oh it's an armadillo not amarillo it's i think you i think it's pronounced amarillo how have i been saying it like armadillo <laughs> amarillo is that what you said amarillo i think it's amarillo i don't know for sure it's not like i've been there but i feel like i've heard it said and i think it's amarillo but you know you sounded so confident (laughs) i was just letting you go oh god another one okay people i'm so happy that people haven't like ripped me to shreds and maybe it's because i haven't watched looked at our comments lately (laughs) but God bless you, because I know some people are real, you know, sticklers, real sticklers on Saturday, December 6th, which is my birthday, not in 1997, though, a confrontation occurred at the IHOP involving Dustin Camp, who was a 17 year old student and a football player for Tacosa High School in Amarillo and John King. (laughs) Don't look at me when I say Amarillo. Okay. Uh, stick it sticking with Amarillo then because <laughs> I can't remember what you said <laughs> and John King a member of the punk rock community one witness Kendra Petiti <laughs> claims that Camp hopped the median in his Cadillac as he tries what to run punks down in the parking lot and that camp missed and instead had his car window smashed by john king's police baton camp and his friends denied this event ever happened tension and resentment from this confrontation lingered among the respective groups for the following week holy crap that's like so they're like at high school and i mean not brian denicky because he was not in high school at the time but like these groups of people are in high school and it's like tensions are building up from whatever happened that weekend all the way through the week to the next weekend wow that's like (laughs) that's serious business breaking somebody's window with a police baton and trying to run people over yeah right that's the big one i mean dang it's a lot on the evening of December 12th, the IHOP parking lot was full of teenagers. After a night of drinking, Dustin Camp and his companions returned to the Western Plaza Shopping Center at 11 p.m. And they were there anticipating a fight with members of the punk community. 
Jason Denicky showed up with his brother Brian. The accounts of what happened this evening vary depending on who you ask and who is telling the story. But Jason said that the jocks picked a fight. The punks numbered five boys and four girls, while eyewitnesses estimate the number of jocks anywhere between 20 to 50. Holy crap. So they're like grossly outnumbered. Yeah. And we're we're saying punks and jocks. I just don't like that. Yeah, like the kids and the other freaking kids. Yeah, it's just weird to Both like of them label are, groups yeah. like that. But but yeah, so that's what was going on. Violence broke out um, between the two groups outside of the IHOP restaurant, and the manager of the IHOP ordered everyone out of the parking lot. He's like, "Y'all skedaddle." And instead of going home like they should have all done, uh, they all just moved to the parking lot across the street. At that point, somebody called the cops. Good for them. Um, Somebody in the IHOP was like, there's a big fight getting ready to take place. It was said uh, by an eyewitness that during the fight, Brian was on the ground with 10 to 15 people around him, kicking him and hitting him while he was in the fetal position. Holy cow. Yeah. Another eyewitness said that it was a football player on the ground with four to five people around him with weapons. Oh, wow. So there's like varying stories. But that doesn't make any sense because there was only. Yeah, that many nine people, people. Four to five. Well, it's saying. Uh, the punks. I'm saying. And, and it, all those other. Right. That yeah. doesn't make sense. Mm-mm. Yeah, because it's not true. <laughs> you, right. That's why. Uh, that, would, that would be why it doesn't make sense. During the fight, Dustin Camp retreated into his Cadillac and started driving. He first swiped one guy named Chris, and Jason Denicky said it seemed like he was trying to hit people. At that point, after hitting the first person, one of the people in Dustin's car said, let's go. At first, Camp appeared to drive away, but then he sharply turned back, targeting Denicky by running him over. Holy jeez. Mm-hmm. Brian's brother Jason ran towards his brother and held him, saying he was coughing up blood while everyone left and cheered. What? Yeah. So Ugh. the one of the people that they were interviewing said it was like a signal had gone off and everybody just lined up and left. And while they were leaving, they were like cheering and yelling terrible shit. Wow. Uh, right after camp hit Brian, he said, I am a ninja in my caddy. Wow. That's his response to killing someone. Mm-hmm. And after running him over, he said, I bet he liked that one. Ugh. Ugh. Um, then left the parking lot and drove home. Brian Dunneke's skull and chest had been crushed and his collarbone was torn from his shoulder. Brian's mother. Oh, had been at home decorating the Christmas tree with Brian's brother, Jason, uh, when Jason no, when, 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 called. when Jason called telling her to come to the parking lot, she arrived and saw Brian covered by a blanket. It's so awful and so sad. And this is the kind of stuff that starts out small and mm-hmm. then escalates way too quick. And these kids don't understand that once you're dead, you're dead. Right. I mean, really. Ugh. It makes me sick and so sad. Yeah. So after all this happened, Dustin just went home and he went to bed. Like, he doesn't even care. Right. I Pretty much. He had two people in the car with him. That's how they know what he said and what happened. Um, but yeah, he just left with them, went home, went to bed. When the police came in the morning, they found damage done to the hood of the Cadillac along with blood on the underside and an empty bottle of Crown Royal whiskey inside the car. So Dustin had been drinking and he killed somebody, hit them and killed them and then drove home and just left. Wow. Dustin was arrested and charged with the murder Dustin said to police that it was an accident. Hmm. 
He said he saw a guy swinging a bat at one of my friends. I was just going to knock him down with my car. It was icy on the ground and my car slid and I guess he slipped and my car went over him. Okay, but still you don't stop. You just go drive home. Yeah. Well, there were too many eyewitnesses for this statement to hold up anyways, because that's not what happened. And the prosecutor thought that he had an open and shut case with with this guy. Good Lord. Dustin Camp was charged with first degree murder. During his trial, his defense claimed that he had acted in defense of a friend whom Denneke was attacking. Camp's defense attorney, Warren L. Clark, defended by trying to shift the blame on Denneke and the punk community, like they tend to do. Mm-hmm. Clark portrayed the punks as violent thugs and went as far as calling them armed armed goons. Well, they're armed because these other kids are ugh, beating them erg. up. Defense attorney Clark used incidents from Denneke's past that made him look violent and claimed that he was the aggressor on the night of his death. It doesn't matter. If you're in your freaking car, you're not an aggressor. You win a hundred times. You mean if you're not in a car? If you're hit by a car? No, if you're in a car and somebody's aggressing you on foot, you win. Oh, okay. Yeah, you don't have to worry about it. But but the argument was that he was helping... A His friend. other friend. Yeah, that's what it was. They they claimed it was self defense of another person or something. Wow. Still, uh, but that's not true yeah. either. That's not what happened. There were enough people around to confirm that that's not what happened. But that's how they played it in the court case. Right. The so the next is yeah. Camp returned to defend a fellow jock. However, this claim was denied by Denikey's companions. Well, good for them, at least. They were honest. After two, I am assuming, getting dropped off somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the girl that was in the car, she's in the 2020 interview quite a bit and seems like she was relatively vocal about what actually happened. Yeah. They didn't interview the other person. But, yeah, so Denneke's, Brian, the guy that got hit, his companions are the ones that denied the claim that oh okay not okay yeah i'm sorry i missed that part that's okay the defense also claimed that witnesses for the prosecution were punks who lied under oath in contrast to the punks the defense characterized the alleged murderer as a wholesome and clean-cut youth the defense emphasized camp's normalcy claiming camp was a good christian and a good texan and a football player the punks who testified consistently saw denneke as the victim one of the camp's companions, who was a passenger in his car, also incriminated him. She did not see him acting in defense of a third person and testified on the ninja in the caddy exclamate exclamations. Wow. The fact that they painted him, I mean, not even painted. He was like the picture of normalcy, right? Mm-hmm. He was a Christian, a good Texan, and a football player. That's who he was, but like... He's the a mere fact murderer. that they they yeah they use that to say like he's a good kid he just ran over a bad kid is basically what they're saying and uh, it's insane yeah and the reason it's insane is because although camp had been charged with murder the jury only found him guilty of voluntary manslaughter they were in there deliberating for just three hours and that's what they came up with. That's what they came up with. Wow. They sentenced him to 10 years probation and a $10,000 fine. Yes, friends. That means he got no jail time. For murdering somebody. For murdering someone. So this jury of people were swayed so easily by the way people look mm-hmm. that... This guy got to run someone over with his car, deliberately kill them, and got 10 years probation and a $10,000 fine. And and voluntary manslaughter, not only, like, what about leaving the scene of an accident, bodily Mm -hmm. harm, like, all of these things that they... Drunk driving, underage drinking, I mean, all these, which they couldn't prove that because he fled the scene of a crime. Yeah. You you would feel like leaving the scene of a crime could get you at least one year in prison. 
you would think and he freaking murdered and all that sorry go ahead you go oh i was just gonna say brian denneke's poor parents and brother Mm -hmm. that love him and know that he was a good guy that is no justification of a person being murdered at all like not justification but just like no acknowledgement to the fact that somebody's life was taken yeah for no reason reason and all this does is gives a pass to all the other jocks that Mm -hmm. well if you murder somebody it's worst you're looking at is 10 years probation it's disgusting it is I lost my place. Oh, both Camp's attorney and the district attorney found this sentence to be uncommonly mild. The jury refused to comment after the trial, citing the welfare of the families. Alternate juror Wade Colvin said he was completely surprised that the jury did not convict Camp of murder and opted for manslaughter conviction instead. He said, what stuck with me more than anything, I felt like Brian was running away and Dustin had a chance to stop his car, Colvin said. He believed the jury gave Camp a second chance because of his youth. He said, I had those thoughts too about him being so young, Colvin said, but he did wrong. Absolutely. Yeah. He's 17. I mean, that's... He did it on purpose. Absolutely. And the the claims from before that he had swerved through the median and mm-hmm. and done things with his car before he's just a freaking maniac yeah he's dangerous the defense attorney was asked if the tables had been turned and it was brian denneke that had run down and killed dustin camp that night that brian denneke would have gone to prison warren clark responded I think with Mr. Denneke, it would have been a harder job of keeping him out of prison. Plus, let's face it, appearance means something. What a dick. It means something in Amarillo, Texas, and it means something in New York City. Sometimes the conclusions we reach on appearance are improper and not justified, but in a murder case, they're really important. They're pretty important. No, they're not. I wonder, though, what if what he means by that is it's pretty important because of the jurors. Well, they're the ones that made the decision, right? Yeah, it's important because there's a group of people judging you and part of that is on your appearance. I don't know that that quote disgusted me so much. I was like, I have to add this in here. But, But that's true. Like we were just talking the other day. And I'll just let this cat out of the bag, but I'm getting weight loss surgery in Mm -hmm. October. And um, we were talking about, you know, promotions and things like that. And for me being overweight, I feel like I could be passed up for some of those things because of how I look. And while that is sad to say, that is real. It is real. There's so many things from the way people look that can hold them back and that's terrible it is terrible and it makes me i mean how many there have been so many times i've had my nose pierced now for i don't know 15 20 years somewhere in between the number and i for multiple this job that i have now is the first job that i don't have to take my nose ring out ever and mm-hmm. i'm going to the same conferences i was going to in my last job but I always had to take my nose ring out for them before when I worked for the other company. My company now is like, you be you. Like, I'd probably run into some trouble if I got a face tattoo or something. Right. I am client facing at times. And, you know, but that's the thing. It's see, and this is exactly what we're talking about. It's a there's a standard to what is considered professional. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what we're dealing with now. Back then, there was a standard to what you had to look like in high school to be a good person be yeah be considered a good person I mean we always like we ran around with like the some quote-unquote bad kids I would say I mean Mm -hmm. we both listened to alternative music and both you know ran around and made some bad decisions with people but you know we didn't like I don't know 
murder I mean, I was never on our mind. No, and nobody we knew was getting murdered either. I don't know. It's just crazy. And then they just get off like no big deal. That is the wild, the most wild part of this story. The saddest it part. It is. It's insane. Possibly. Um. Do you want me to go? Because I know where we're oh, at. Oh, yeah. Yeah, go. <laughs> I think it's your turn anyway. It's not, but that's okay. <laughs> Dustin- <laughs> oh, wait. Yes, it is. <laughs> Dustin Camp graduated and got his diploma and walked down the aisle with people cheering him on. Ugh. So people were cheering for him at this graduation he got to go to with all of his peers because he wasn't in prison where he belonged. And then people cheered for him. Wow. In June 2001... Dustin was apprehended for underage drinking and was arrested for being a minor in the possession of alcohol. Michael Camp, father of Dustin, attempted to cover for his son's probation violations because that was a violation of probation. Mm -hmm. Michael Camp was formally charged with making false statements to the police. He was sentenced to 60 days deferred adjudication, which is a type of probation, and a $100 fine after a plea bargain. That was his dad? Yeah. Okay. In September 2001, Dustin Camp received an eight-year prison sentence for violating his probation. Holy shit. Let's just talk about that for a second. He got eight years in prison for underage drinking, but he ran somebody over with his car and killed them and got no time. Wow. What an injustice. It's messed up up i mean he wouldn't have gotten eight years for underage drinking if he hadn't already been on probation obviously but wtf breaking probation by underage (sighs) drinking is worse than according to our judicial system (laughs) than running someone over and killing them with your car now what i'm hoping is that the judge whoever extended this prison sentence to him saw how fucked up the case was before and was like i'm gonna throw the book at this kid and gave him as much time as he could because oh i hope that i feel like that's not a normal sentence for probation you know breaking breaking probation no you're probably right which then gives me the warm and fuzzies because we're not all right with the world but we're getting closer yeah it comes around sometimes so dustin's brother david was also arrested during those events in june he served one year of probation for providing alcohol to minors and hindering police efforts to arrest dustin Hmm. in 2006 dustin was paroled under supervision until his sentence expired in 2009 so then he's since gone off and just lived a normal life it seems and is out there just you know enjoying normal people pleasures so he only does not deserve so he only served five years of his eight-year sentence yeah Hmm. well i will say the warm and fuzzies are still there a little bit because his brother and his dad got some punishment too I'm just happy he spent some time in prison and he should still be in there. I agree. Numerous tribute gigs and concerts have been made for Denneke since his death. In 2000, the Unity Through Diversity Festival was held in Amarillo featuring the Undead and Mike Watt. I don't know who those people are. I know who the Undead are, I think, uh, amongst other bands. The 10th anniversary of his death demonstrated the ongoing significance of his death to the punk community, with 25 concerts being held on December 8th, 2007, across the United States and Canada. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, Including concerts in New York, Chicago, and Seattle, and five concerts across Texas, including a two-day event in Amarillo. Half of the money raised by these events went to the National Organization for Parents of Murdered Children. That is so sad that there has to be a organization. I know. It's terrible. The other half to various anti-prejudice causes. 
The memorial concert states stated aims were Brian was only 19 years old when he succumbed to violent death due to prejudice and ignorance. The memorial event will donate our profits to charities that fight hate crime. Brian's existence will continue to inspire others. Aw. Isn't that nice? That is nice. One of Brian's favorite bands was the Dropkick Murphys. They memorial memorialized him in song with the fortunes of war do you know that song oh i do oh that song's about him i put the lyrics here i don't need to read them we can post them yeah give the song a listen it's really good i love dropkick murphy's same and not to like switch topics too much but the fact that they've been they did um saint patrick's day concerts Uh uh-huh each each year during the pandemic that made me so happy because saint patrick's day i love that day so much and i wasn't gonna go out mm-hmm. and i got to uh get drunk and dance in my living room while my family watched me <laughs> um and listen to those concerts and that was so that was so nice and they did them they did one of them for free i think they did both of them for free and you could just donate that's so, awesome yeah because we watched the great. ones together i want to say but not together but at the same time and we were talking yeah. about it yeah yeah, that was very mm-hmm. cool. So there were also a lot of other songs inspired by Brian. I'm going to just read through them real quick. There's Brian's Song by 15, Brian's Song by The Code, Tears on a Pillow in Amarillo by The Undead, Sunshine Fist Magnet by Against All Authority, A Punk Killed and Murdered by Total Chaos, American Justice is All a Lie by Career Soldiers, Sunshine by The Swellers, Hail by Hamill on Trial, Brian Dennecke by Christopher Owens, and Punk Song by Lambed. Holy cow, that's a lot of songs. It is. Isn't that cool? That is cool. A film about Brian Dennecke's short life has been made called Bomb City. Bomb City's title references Amarillo's proximity to the bomb manufacturing facility Pantex, but also the ticking time bomb of the town's cultural divisionness in the late 90s. As the Dallas Observer reported in a 1999 article about the attack, he said punks were getting jumped in the streets by packs of white hats, so-called because of their fondness for white caps bearing the names of the colleges with top-ranked football teams such as Notre Dame or Michigan. Damn. Mm Mm-hmm. Jameson Brooks and Sheldon Chick, Bomb City's writers, were 12 and 15 when Brian died, respectively. It didn't seem as shocking to me then just because that's the way the culture was in Amarillo, said Chick. The area's punk metal and industrial music scenes were condensed into an overarching group of oddballs who saw themselves and were seen in turn as clearly different from the rest of the conservative town. I feel like is our town conservative would you say mm, which town where we grew up yeah do you mm. in between we're so close to Dayton that I don't think that we're I don't think that there's really a whole lot of the sub suburbs around here that are are very conservative you get a tiny bit further out and yes it's conservative but i think because of our proximity to dayton it's not quite as conservative as the further out areas but i mean i think we're relatively uh, conservative i think it was a relatively conservative town because even whenever i was like 16 wearing plaid men's golf pants and a rancid t-shirt in my golf shoes <laughs> i don't know not golf bowling bowling shoes from the thrift yeah. store very cool no uh, we weren't that conservative you know if you look at it i think this whole football uh high school football thing is interesting because i feel like in towns that are very conservative that is often like a, a thing mm-hmm so, like, we were into football a little. I mean, it's a big deal-ish. Uh, I don't know But if people ever... don't go to football games that aren't, that don't have, not very many people go to the football games that don't have kids playing or, you know, something of, along those lines. In this town, everybody went to the football games. I wonder if that's because they didn't have anything else to do. 
Yeah, that also usually lines up with conservative towns. <laughs> yeah. I feel like. I don't know. I, I don't I don't know. I'm not an expert. <laughs> I don't think I ever went to a football game in high school. Yeah, you freaking did. I really don't think I did. I think that was whenever you and Sarah were hanging out and Aaron, possibly. And I was like, nah. I don't know who I was hanging out with. Ashley. Ashley. Stephanie. Yeah. Yeah. Jessica. You had friends too. (laughs) And we were friends with each other's friends. Yeah. We can go into that eighth grade saga. Yeah. At a later time. In a Patreon episode. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah. Yeah. You were still hanging around. But yeah, our whole town didn't go to the football games and in this case like they did it seems like so i don't know it was that's definitely a a different world but yeah it is a real bummer and really it is the justice system completely failing that is i mean it's not the worst part obviously brian passing is the worst part but man it really Mm -hmm. is a a stink cherry on top of a shit sunday like he does look like you're brian i know doesn't he that i that just makes it extra sad for me i feel like when i look his at name's that name's even brian i know that is a very common name that is <laughs> i that, know in that time frame so i know a lot of brian's um that kind of makes sense but yeah very sad very sad uh, story okay well you want to say your sources yeah i uh, use wikipedia visit amarillo.com azlyrics.com this 2020 episode is where and it was only like a 20 minute episode but i watched it twice and took some quotes out of it i feel like it was very informative yeah i'll have to watch that it's on it's on youtube okay (laughs) i watched it very poor quality um then i used people.com and vice.com wow well that that is a super sad story Mm -hmm. but at least he got a little justice at the end i guess if we can call it that tiny bit all right well we hope you guys enjoyed episode 115 on brian dennehy bomb city make sure you send us those voice messages if you have been to um waverly or bobby mackey's we would love to hear them and we will play them on our show that's right all right well we hope you guys have a great week and we will see you next time bye bye